here at a couple of pricks, we do have a very small but very passionate <laughs> fan base. Yeah. And and to one fan in particular, we thought we wanted to give, you know, just something special. Yeah. Just so, a little bit something extra. So you know who you are. Yep. We know you're there. Yeah. Dim the lights. Dim the lights. Light them. Scented candles. Slip into the bath. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? How you going? Are you flowing? You're liking what you're hearing? Oh, yeah. About to get some pricks up in this bitch. <laughs> this is creepy. <laughs> I think the void you're looking for is hot. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but still kind of creepy. A little bit rapey, actually, is what this is. How you doing? All right, so yeah, welcome to episode eight. Eight, here it is. Fuck. Big eight inches. Massive eight inches between us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Measuring from the taint. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Apologise to my listeners. I'm or or my listeners. How crass. (laughs) Our listeners. I know you tune in for me. Uh, I'm on the tail end of of the flu, the actual flu, not just I'm I'm sick and all that sort of stuff, but like the fucking flu. Influenza. Influenza. Yeah. Which is avian bird flu. Really? So apparently I have the human strain of that fucking thing. Nice work. Yeah. Anyway, fucking KFC gave, gave me bird flu. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? At least you can put to rest the fact that it is actually bird. Yeah. <laughs> Rat flu. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully um, we'll be able to edit out. I'll try and stop myself from coughing and, and whatnot. And you'll have to disinfect everything afterwards. But... That's all right. That's all right. I've marked your microphone to tape. <laughs> There's probably nothing in the ordinary. And that's going into the sealed bag. <laughs> After we've finished, that's it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'll try not to, you know, <laughs> too much. Yes. <coughs> Fuck, I shouldn't have done that because I'm not Jimmy Cobb. Get straight into some news. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump straight in on this one. All right. Because I'm Please. prepared. <laughs> Please do. This is, this is some news I've prepared earlier. So, China is emerging as the new dominant power in Hollywood entertainment, and uh, possibly not in the way most people think. As previously mentioned in earlier podcasts, as you know, foreign box office receipts uh, pretty much means that some recent films are only going to be profitable because of their foreign, the, the overseas markets, and especially in China, where in, in particular two upcoming films, Looper and Iron Man 3, feature both Chinese actors and funding because, well, basically China's fucking taking over the world, and uh, we must kowtow. Nice. Did you like I see that? what you did there? Nice kowtow to their whims. As the makers of Men in Black 3 recently had to do, and somewhere between 3 to 13 minutes of Men in Black 3, which we reviewed last episode, episode 7, um, had to be cut out before the film could be shown in China. Do you remember the bit in the Chinese restaurant where yeah. they basically, you know, made fun of everything that Chinese people eat? Yes. Apparently that's... You have to frown upon. You're not allowed to mock people in China. Who would have thought Chinese people are sensitive no, about mocking... But they're they're so free and open with everything yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. So the whole Chinese bit and the jokes about the funny shit, you know, people Chinese people eat. Uh, and I've, I was practicing this today. Si yai jian, which is Chinese for goodbye. So mm-hmm. 
get used to speaking Chinese people because they will take over the world. Friend of the show, Jordan, jo- Jordan, Jordan, Joseph Gordon Levitt. New JGL. JGL. JGL to his friends. As, as we mentioned, it's, on the, it's easier on the restraining order mm. just to have JGL. As I mentioned before, Looper will have a few extra minutes of scenes showing that China is the world's main superpower in the future and that extra footage will only be shown in China. All right. I'd, I'd, I'd heard some other bits, like some other sides of this. There's only a certain amount of foreign films that get shown in China. Okay. But yeah, and you know, they're the one in every six people in the world is fucking Chinese. Of course, they're a massive yeah. market. Yeah. So if you can get your film into China, yeah, that obviously is really going to help. Absolutely. And a lot of films don't get shown. They, there is a limit. There, like, it's something like fifteen to twenty mm. foreign films get shown in China. Yeah. So I know Iron Man three in particular is has some Chinese funding, some input into there to help make that one of the films that goes through because that. Fuck, that adds another... Fuck, it could add a billion dollars. Absolutely. And I'm not... Look, I, I just think the implication of this is is bigger than, than just yeah, that, its money. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it is kind of you know, kind of scary. Because what, what, what next? Does news get... I mean, we all know that China's a police state and they yeah. were a communist. And we're all capitalist dogs and, and all that sort of business. Mm. Um, they do own the world. Mm. It's, it's how it's rolling. And every dystopian picture of the future has always had China or Sino sort of overtones. But where does it stop? Like, where, I mean, where, where will it stop? Because it, it's big things, and this is, I don't want to sound overdramatic, but big things have small first steps. Yeah. And this, to me, just sort of reeks. It's, it's not censorship, you know, which we've both railed against. Yeah. It's, this is something that's vaguely pretty serious. If they're going to show footage only in that country... That is to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, where, where, where does it stop? Do they start saying, we want you to put this footage in all the release? Absolutely. And then yeah. it's, it's that, is it then a propaganda? Exactly. Now that's, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where does it stop? And, and right now, it's nothing. And right now, yeah, fuck. Uh, you make an incredibly valid point, Iron Man 3 in particular. Hmm. That's potentially a billion bucks that they're going to make, and and everyone knows Hollywood wants to make movies. Yeah. Um, they, 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 I mean, they're they're a profit. Well, sorry, want to make money. Want to make money? Yeah. Um, so, I, and and in that aspect of it, you can kind of see it, but it's I don't want to sound all brave new worldy, but it's it's pretty frightening well, where it's going to go. If a small amount, a, a relatively small amount of money, can be put in front of James Bond to make him drink Heineken, yeah. You know, it's not. It's not a, a, a long draw of the bow to see... Not at all. Okay, well, we'll give you all the money for this. Yep. And you tell everybody that China is better. Absolutely. Or India, or Russia. I mean, well, not as much Russia, because we all know Russia's not better. <laughs> We're talking about countries with money. <laughs> yeah. Um, we will give you potato. <laughs> anyway, and welcome. Welcome to our Russian listeners, uh, joining us on <laughs> Vladivostok uh, 682. <laughs> so anyway, look, uh, like I said, the show's supposed to be lighthearted and whatnot, but this, I think, is some, this, this bears watching because this is potentially dangerous, and I don't want to keep, I don't want to, certainly don't want to refer to it in McCarthyism terms, and, and everyone should be paranoid for the Chinese person under their bed. But that's, uh, I don't, I don't want to open the show on a downer, hmm. but I just, you know, anyway, start practicing your Chinese, or yes. your Mandarin, or your Mandarin. Cantonese, or, yes. you know. Or one of the 27,000 Chinese on it. Big news in regular Hollywood. Yep. Happy news. Mm-hmm. So brighter news. 
Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. <laughs> we don't I like... deliberately stayed away from this because I knew you would mention it because of my man love for Tom Cruise. Hey, I'm... This is not a gossip no. show. No. If you want that, there's plenty of other shows yep. out there. And they're not as good as we they're are. They're not as... Well, that could be said about every show. Mm, pretty much. But I'm actually coming out bizarrely... Finally. Finally. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> in support of Tom Cruise. Okay. Now, this might seem strange. <laughs> yes. You, you, I can see... <laughs> listeners, if you could only see the shocked look on Matt's face. Tom Cruise is... You can't hide it. Is the biggest movie star in the world. He's, yes. And and there's, there's a brand. He, he is a brand. It can't be easy living in that brand. No. It can't be easy for him, and it can't be people easy for the people around him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to stay away from the obvious jokes that I would normally make yeah. about, you know, her being a trophy wife, her being, you know, a contract thing like it was with Nicole Kidman, and it's just there to, you know, help both of their careers because he gets a beard, she gets into movies. I don't. I'm not going to do that, people. I'm going to rise above. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take I'm going to take it on face value and say that if this was a legitimate relationship and it's only hearsay and bullshit and you know internet sp- speculation that says mm. that it's not some of which was started by me let's be fair <laughs> there's it can't be easy being part of the Tom Cruise world no it it can't be a normal existence for anybody mm. Katie would have had a fairly normal life yeah, up right. until up until that. I mean, she had some celebrity, yeah, but, but that's you know pl- that's me and you playing basketball, and suddenly you know Michael Jordan comes in. Yeah. It's it's a completely different field that no one can ever know what it's like. Mm. So I feel sorry for Tom. You know, he's there's a kid in this as well. Yeah. Let's let's not yeah. that's, let, let's that's... not forget there is a kid. Say what you want. I have no doubt that Tom loves his kids. Yep. Whether it's the real one or the ones that he and Nicole bought, he loves his kids. This can't be easy for him. And, yeah, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to come out on the record in defence of Tom for a change. Yeah. All right. And, you know, I think, I think you know, for the most part, you've, you've done well. I'm actually going to come out on the side or in defence of privacy. I think that they need a divorce. Is you're right. There's a kid involved. There's a six year relationship here now. Whether it's ba- whatever it's based on, whatever that, it's sad. It's tragic. Um, I did post something you know rather flip, like I really you know that's a surprise or something along those lines. I don't buy into the Tom Cruise's gay bullshit. I don't. I don't think you can be Tom Cruise and be gay and it not come out. Mm. Look what's happened to Chandra Volta. Yeah. I mean. It just it would just come out. I mean, because the guy that that whatever I think it was um, Kyle Bradford, I think was the the gay porn star that came out and said I had sex with Tom Cruise. Mm. Tom Cruise said, "Fucking provide the evidence. I'm suing you for defamation." And he just sunk back into the woodwork. Yeah. Now everyone can jump him down and go conspiracy theories, but we if both, there was proof, yeah. If there's smoke, there's fire, and we know enough gay people between us that you know some are. You know, we all know they're litigious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know they they're fucking ready for a fight. We have often had. Quite literally, gay people between yeah. us. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's sad. It's tragic. I I would really like to think that 
the the impossible will happen and that they'll be left alone and let this go through. Um, I don't want to buy into the speculation about the Scientology part mm-hmm. of it either. It does seem fairly convenient, but so be it. You know, like everyone wants to blame Scientology for everything and mm-hmm. it does seem to be a bit fruitcakey, but then so is fucking... Um, the nation, yeah, and nation of Islam, fucking, yeah. it's all they're all fucking fruitcakes for fuck's sake. Yeah, at least this one doesn't purport, as I understand it, doesn't purport to have a god that a, a, a beneficent or or malevolent god that rises above you and and you know if you don't worship him he fucking smacks you down and hmm. casts you out into hell. Apparently there's an alien and a volcano, yeah. but you know, yeah. a, a great lord Zenu. Yeah, an in, intergalactic fucking you know whatever. But anyway, so be it. Um, yeah, I was, I was deliberately going to stay away from it because it is, it is a bit gossipy and I was a bit heartbroken, but so be it, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to, ha- it's happened. It's going to happen. Does Tom recruit again? Like is, was there any truth to that rumor that he recruit? I mean, he tried to recruit Scarlett Johansson, but then at the same, allegedly, mm. but then Scarlett Johansson strikes me as dumb as fucking batshit. Yeah. I think she, she'd be a, she'd be a bandwagon yeah. jumper. I think she she would like go and yeah just be a bit I think she's all boobs and no brain like I really am and I mean if you can't make it work with Ryan Reynolds for fuck's sake then you know anyway Um, so yeah it's a sad thing it really is but yeah and divorce is and you're a kid if you are listening (laughs) I'm actually all for all boobs and no brains I would smash her in so many ways most of them illegal Indiana Jones is making its Blu-ray debut Mm-hmm. 31 years after the first film um, which is called Raiders of the Lost Ark not, not Indiana Jones yes. and interestingly there's a box set that's coming out with the, the three movies in it and a space for a movie that you actually like really in the box set so nice. you know nice. that's, that's pretty spectacular stuff so. okay I wasn't aware of this coming out mm-hmm. now I've got to I've got to ask the question and I hope I hope you know there is a Lucas involvement Yes. In the Indiana Jones films. Yes. Are we worried? Are we worried? No! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean... I mean, these films are up there with Star Wars as as the iconic films. Is... I think... I I know what you're saying. I think the Uberdue would stop it. I think Spielberg would step up and say, no, it's done. Do what you want to your own fucking movies. These are mine. Yeah. Um... Uh, uh, of course, and we've all seen what happens when Steven Spielberg moves aside for George Lucas. There's a fridge and a nuclear bomb and aliens. So yes. I don't think it'll happen. I think it's going to... I can't wait, personally. These Raiders of the Lost Ark is in my uh, all-time oh, favourite movies. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, and I really love Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's dark, it's fucking... It's sinister, mm. it's all these great things. Yeah. And Last Crusade. La- Last Crusade. Uh, Sean brilliant. Connery. It's, in, it's Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, riffing like mad... Um, you are named after the dog. dog. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's just such a great series, and I can't. I absolutely, will be buying this and adding yeah. it to my. Do we, do we have a Do we have a date? Well, apparently, it's coinciding with Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, which is ah, next week. Nice. They're doing a Lucasfilm are putting a booth mm-hmm. at Comic Con to basic. I think it's the iconic Well of Souls um, display that where, okay. where he drops down yeah, and yeah. all the snakes. And I think as a person, you can go in behind this glass and have, be surrounded oh, by snakes. That'd be awesome. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. What I hope they do do. What I hope they do do. Yeah, yeah that makes that sense. Works. I just said doo-doo. <laughs> um, is that they might, and uh, somebody, and you might slap me because you know what, what a purist I am. 
if they go through and sort of take out, like, I don't know if you recall, but when Harrison Ford falls and that cobra is in front of him, there's the reflection. A, yeah. If they went through and you took know, that I'm stuff out. Tidying some stuff up. There's yeah. a, there's a, it's, it's a fine line. Yeah. But tidying up some yeah. stuff, like, if there's a booming shot, if you cut that stuff sure. out, things no. like that. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, t- well, like you did with the DVD release of, uh, sorry, Spielberg did with the DVD release of, of E.T., the 25th, 25th yeah. year or something, took out all the firearms and put walkie-talkies in the FBI agent's hands. Okay. You, oh, you might no, I didn't this. know yeah, He did it because he thought, and quite rightly so, it is a bit disturbing to have men hmm. point guns at um, kids. However, they weren't really pointing guns at kids. Hmm. They, You know what America's like, they draw their firearms yeah. in, they go. Um, however, he has since come out and said, yeah, look, I think that was a bad move. I think that was a mistake. Mm. And so I think for the Blu-ray release... He's put it back. Yeah, he's left it alone. And, he's, yeah. uh, and he tells people, people say, which, which version of E.T. should I watch? He says, watch the original. That's, yeah. that's the one that I put out. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway, Spielberg, I, the, I, so I don't mind it. And there were some changes they made with the Star Wars special editions that I actually didn't mind. I liked the new blowing up of Alderaan and the yeah. Star Wars like, stuff. But some, that's some effect stuff. Yeah. It's not... Fundamentally changing yeah. the plot. Well, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. no, we're not getting into the hard no. shooting first. All right. On a, on a similar tack. Yep. The Avengers mega fucking box set. Yeah. You, you've heard of this? No. Um, details I don't have exactly in hand, so I am yeah. I'm running from memory. September. Yep. A twenty-one disc set. Fuck off. Featuring special editions with all new stuff of. Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thorn, Cap, and like a five-disc Avengers. Fuck me. Yeah. Holy shitballs. I'm getting that motherfucker. Yeah, I'm... That, fuck. I'm not attached to my firstborn. Fuck. No. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a huge, that's huge massive. pack. wonder if it'll come in the shape of the Tesseract or something like that. That'd just be awesome. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Or an Iron Man helmet. I don't know. Well, the, well, the Tesseract, I think, is more... Yeah. It's more bookshelfy. But then yeah. the Iron Man helmet, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I think the Predators, or there was a Predator, the Aliens, sorry, the Aliens Quadrology yeah. Super Duper set came in an alien egg or something like that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Apropos. So, 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 so there goes any chance I have of saving any fucking money this year. <laughs> um, there was an interview with Mark Ruffalo, and they said, I don't know, some of those stupid superhero fucking questions. Um, and they said, if you could have any weapon, what would you have? And without hesitation, he said, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> so anyway, he's and and that's fucking pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, apropos of absolutely nothing, Peter Weller. Those of you who remember, don't remember Peter Weller or don't know Peter Weller, mm. the original Robocop, yeah, and also Naked Lunch, uh, which was a fucking very trippy film. Anyway, this is just a short little tidbit. There's an interesting rant from him on the Hero Complex Film Festival interview. Check it out online. Basically, he just rants a little bit like in my day versus now and how things go and he, he tees off a little bit I don't believe at Denzel personally mm. but the scene in the training day where basically Denzel spends uh, a minute 30 so what like 10 pages of dialogue staring at Ethan Hawke while he's supposedly driving down the street you know and, and how that's completely unrealistic and all that sort of stuff but what's what's because probably... making a robot out of a dead guy yeah yeah but what's what's sort of interesting about that is his passion anyway it's worth checking out Hero Complex Film Festival interview with Peter Weller. It's only about 17, 18 minutes long, mm. but it's worth... And he just gets really quite yeah. excited about it. But, you know, anyway, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Fucking tears off also on how the first five minutes of Robocop, the original Robocop, is an allegory to apartheid. 
It's like, wow, like that's that's a lot. Talk about drawing a long bow. So, mm. but anyway, have a listen to it. Yeah, and and he kind of looks a little bit like he did in Robocop, minus well, I, the armor. I saw him. Uh, he was in. I mean, you don't watch Dexter, mm. but he he had a, a small role in in the last yeah. couple of seasons of Dexter. He's still an intimidating, intense motherfucker. Yeah. He's, yeah. he you know he hasn't done a lot for a while. He's still got some. Some shops when yeah, it comes absolutely. to being like Mr. Crazy Intense. And apparently he's been doing a lot of directing, like he's directed a few episodes of House and Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that. Okay. So anyway, there you go. Apparently. But it's worth it's worth having a little listen to just because you are you're a movie aficionado, you're listening yeah. to this podcast because you've got some quality about you. Have a bit of a listen. Yeah. Just a couple it's the for the final two. Um The Hobbit has wrapped. The final yep, yeah, it's all done. As as People who have been following the, the show will know and has been following the movie will know they've they shot both films side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be one of the most anticipated films oh. of, of all time, mm. right? Um, it's a fucking year for it, man. It, well, and I've got, I can go off script here because there's nothing really new, but I did, I was, when I was writing this down, I was thinking about it. It's, it's it, The anticipation for Lord of the Rings was there because you're like, but it was really, te- um, really sort of tinged with that. Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. Don't fuck this up. And the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring, <laughs> taking top place in the most redundant fucking qualifier of all times. The first movie, yeah. the, that first movie was was a bit slow boil. Had mm-hmm. the, had the minds of Moria scene with the Balrog and Gandalf. You shall not pass. It had that great. Had Boromir's fantastic death scene. It had some good set pieces in it, but the two towers then built on on the legacy. And those three movies, each one only had to be slightly better than the previous before you. And you, we went ah, because if you sit back and watch all three back to back, you can see how they've gone from strength to strength. Mm. And 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 as we all know, on those special editions, Peter Jackson was editing like three weeks before release yeah. on DVD. So these movies have the weight of the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and the magic that he achieved there. We've already had this little bit of they're shooting at 40, is it 48, 48 frames, frames yep. you know, and, and will that, that looks a little bit like the Kardashians or some shit. Mm. I don't know. Every still shot or promo shot I'm seeing from The Hobbit is just exciting me beyond, beyond all measure. Yeah. I cannot wait for this film. Yeah. Now, do we know if there are any Australian... Because 48 frames... Do we know if there's anywhere that is showing it in Australia there? Do we have any no other technical... I have no idea. In fact, we might have to, to research that, because yeah. I know he's obviously putting out both versions for cinemas that don't have yeah. that capability. You would hope the most modern cinemas would be able to do well, it. Well, I mean, still, we'd spoken about it offline. Mm. That we're, we're sort of both toying with the idea of slipping up to Sydney to see The Dark Knight Rises in on IMAX. IMAX. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, anyway... So that, that was kind of that one. As I said, I, I can't wait for this movie. I think it's going to be spectacular. Yeah. In, yeah. in Peter Jackson, we absolutely trust. He's, he, yeah. The, uh, the first poster has come out? Yes. For it, have you Yes, seen I've seen it? that. With Gandalf? Yes. In that. Yeah, 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 it is yeah. very subtle, very... Great poster. Yeah. yeah it's very a, it's great a superb poster. poster. That, that promises everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't, I genuinely can't wait. And I wasn't that enamoured with The Hobbit as a book. No. I really wasn't, but... But it's, it's filling that hole that we... Because we haven't yeah. had a Lord of the Rings... Boxing Day for what yeah. 10 years? Yeah, well, 2003, so yes, what well, nine, nine years. years? So, yeah, because that was it had become a thing. Boxing Day, you went to the cinema and you lined up for two hours to buy a fucking ticket, yeah, to the second and then the third Lord of the Rings film. It was yeah. a and I gotta be honest, probably gonna do it this year, guaranteed. Um, problem is with a Boxing Day release. 
can't really do a midnight, but... Uh, yeah, well, technically you're not supposed... Well, yeah, you don't celebrate Christmas. You do Hanukkah, don't you? I do. Um, I do. And the final one, I haven't listened to the latest HBO, so if I'm, if I'm trotting on Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith here mm-hmm. with their Hollywood helper, but have you... Ron Perlman, very good friend of the show. Oh, the Make-A-Wish? Yeah. Ron Perlman fulfilled a Make-A-Wish wish... But that's what it's called um, for a young kid Zachary last name escapes me this kid wanted to meet Hellboy so Ron Perlman endured however many hours it is in the makeup chair to dress up as Hellboy and came in and met the kid and then the kid got to do some of the you know let's face it the lesser Hellboy makeup mm. and got to be in the green screen and all that sort of stuff like that fucking hats off to celebs who do that yeah that's... I mean Ron Perlman doesn't have to Ron Perlman doesn't have to do shit. No, Ron, you know, you know, Ron Perlman. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to. It no. wasn't. It wasn't shameless. Cro- I mean, there's no Hellboy three. No. It wasn't shameless cross promotion or anything. He just went. You know, all right, to make a wish. Yeah, and I, I, you I, I, respect- I always respect that yeah. sort of stuff. That's that's people using their powers for good, not yeah. the evil. Yes. So that's it for news from me. All right. Bit of TV stuff. Yeah. Yep. The state of origin. <laughs> seven in a row seven in a row not to gloat on a record breaking earth shattering achievement in the realm of football and the continued domination by Queensland mm-hmm. of the pinnacle of rugby league in the world the final the, the third match game three game three, game three. Lang Park oh sorry Suncorp Stadium Suncorp Stadium it's Lang Park we know it is we know it's Lang Park the cauldron yes was officially the most watched game of rugby league in Australian television history. Fuck. For reals. For realsies. Four point something million people. Fucking hell. Like a, a quarter of the population. Yeah. Well, fifth. Fifth, yeah, sorry. Uh, maths is my tool. <laughs> I'm still used to it being 16 million. I don't know what it is. I, I keep uh, thinking. But yeah, most watch game of football. A quarter of population sounds better though. It's yeah, wrong, but it sounds it better because a fifth. It's like well, a it was ninety-seven percent of Queensland. <laughs> I'm sure, oh, but uh, fucking hell, Queensland, Queensland. Ah, yeah, what a great game. Yeah, fucking Cooper Cronk for PM. <sighs> what a fucking field goal. That was. Why is Mal not king of Australia? <laughs> I don't know, because Wally's busy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Excellent. One of my most anticipated shows I finally had a chance to watch last night, Newsroom. Okay, yeah, you, you've, yeah. you've watched. Yep. You watching it? It's been well documented that I am a bit of a Sorkin fanboy. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed the pilot, even given that I'd seen it before as the pilot of Studio Sixty. <laughs> yeah. It even started in exactly the same way. It's yeah. rant. Yeah. Yeah. Damage control. Damage. That being the case, I think the, this has already been renewed for a second season. Oh, it has, has by it? HBO. Okay, so well, that's, that's so obviously they've got some they've got some faith in it. Yeah, it's it is well worth checking out. I think it's yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels is really quite yeah quite good. The whole cast is is solid. Just wanted to put it out there. Definitely worth checking out if you get a chance for sure absolutely like i i enjoyed it you're right it's studio 60 it's sports night it's mm. it's network it's it, west wing into space through it it's a definite it, it i just hope my and my I, as i said to you offline when we're talking about it i just hope that it doesn't get bogged down in too much preachiness yeah but which which saw and, and that was i think the the thing that really crippled 
Studio 60. Yeah. It was, you can fix television if you listen to me. Yeah. And stop listening, you know, for fuck's sake. Yeah. But anyway, like, well, I liked Aaron Sorkin. And the, I think also another thing that killed Studio 60, which is there's something that 30 Rock has stayed right the fuck away from, is that so many people who have spoken about the writers' rooms in Saturday Night Live and whatnot, it's too dark. You can't mm. put... I heard a great line somewhere um, about comedy and that for, for normal people, non-comedians, um, to find something funny, and a, man, a stunt man dressed up in an old woman's outfit in a wheelchair going down a hill is funny. To a comedian, it actually has to be an old woman. Like, that, that sort of darkness for yeah. them to actually find it hilarious. So I just think that's, that's where Studio 60 failed because it mm. tried to show too much in the writer's yeah. room. And it couldn't. No. And the the other thing, I mean, I mean, it was never competing with Thirty Rock. No. It was just there happened to be two shows that were about no. behind the scenes yeah. of a Saturday Night Live style show. Thirty Rock was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, I mean, West Wing had moments of of humor in it. Yeah. Sports Night was was a comedy yeah. more than anything with else. That atrocious laugh track. Yeah, which oh. thankfully died out. Yeah. A couple of episodes. It's just awful. But. They're not trying for this to be a comedy. If you're making a show and you're showing sketches about a Saturday Night Live comedy show, they should be funny. Yeah. And I don't think... I mean, because Aaron Sorkin is Matthew Perry in Studio 60. Aaron Sorkin is Matthew Perry. (laughs) Matthew Perry in Studio 60 as the writer. Yeah. Him taking control, not letting anyone else do anything. That's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's... that's widely known that that is yeah. that is him. Well, the cocaine addiction, you know. Well, yeah, that kind of that kind of gave yeah. it away a little. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. He can't write about a writer's room because he wouldn't know what the fuck a writer's room exactly is. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So anyway, well, I'm glad but, it's picked up for a second season. I didn't yes. know that. Now you've you've started watching Weeds. I have. We- I Weeds have. is now season nine has just premiered yeah. in uh, in the US, and I believe this is actually going to be the final season. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Kevin Nealon, good friend of the show, who is just a I love Kevin Nealon. He is I mean, he is yeah, such look, such a good part of that show. He's my favourite character of that yeah, show. Doug is Doug is superb. But no, if you if you get a chance to watch Weeds, yeah. people, it is a long slog. It's nine seasons, but it's cable series, so it's like ten or twelve episodes yeah. a, a season. Yeah. Very much worth it. Mary Louise Parker, it's her show. It is. It's it really is her show. She does a fantastic job, mm-hmm. and yeah. It, oh, it's, well, a great well show. it's a great show and, and if, if being having the flu and being off work for the past week has you know taught me anything or brought me any joy it's that oh, I'll, I'll sit down and watch this Weeds I, I think I'm up to the third season I've smashed it in like two days like, yeah. it's just an incredibly good show and yeah. I'll go home tonight and smash a few more episodes Bro- I, I basically broke watching Weeds so that I could watch Shame <laughs> to the review um, and I'm pretty sure the wife sat there all the way through Shame went are we watching Weeds after this? <laughs> so we're somehow addicted, you know, anyway, so be it. All right. So, in unintentionally perfect segue news... <laughs> reviews.
So we're reviewing two films this week again. You do get a another another wobbly H. Yep. DP. DP. Um, well, that's, and it's for you uh, in the bar. You know you're listening. You know oh, who it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, as, yeah, as we tipped last week, Rock of Ages and Shame. Did you want me to go first? You or are you quite happy to... Kick it off with shame. Kick it off. Kick it off with shame. Oh, well, well, the, well, the segue worked so well. It did. It did. Well, it it's, so a seam, it's a seamless flow that now we fuck, <laughs> but keep going with it. Shame. Shame, starring Michael Fassbender from Prometheus and Glorious Bastards, Kerry Mulligan from Drive and the upcoming Great Gatsby. There's a few other people in it, but they're the main characters. Directed by Steve McQueen, who... Uh, not the Steve McQueen. <laughs> Interestingly, just, just jumped out of the grave, <laughs> said, fuck this cancer shit, I'll direct yeah. your movie. Um, who brought us Hunger... And it was written by Steve McQueen and playwright Abby Morgan, whose most recent screenwriting credit is The Iron Lady. Or one, she was one of the writers on that. Okay, so the synopsis for this movie is very brief. We have Brandon Fassbender, who's a, a sex-obsessed or addict, young ad exec who, in the space of a few days, has a crisis of self, brought on by the arrival of his clearly estranged and emotionally vulnerable sister, Sissy, played by Mulligan. And I think that's pretty much... That's, that's it. I believe in order to truly discuss this film and, and to digest it, you need to break down each scene and really look deeply into, into everything and every nuance because there's very, very little dialogue, yet we as an audience are never clueless about what's going on. But of course, with a review, you can't do that. So I, perhaps we could even put a pin in this as, as a potential for a commentary track. Mm that we have uh, have touted, should we yes. tip, tip that? Well, yeah, we, well, I think we, we'll do that. We've, we've talked in the past about in, in lining up a movie where Nathan and I will both sit and talk about the movie, offer our own commentary and, and put it up online for you guys to watch the same movie and listen to us blather on in the background. Yeah. I think this, a movie like this would be great uh, if we could manage to restrain ourselves from pausing and going back and going, <laughs> oh, I think this bit here. Anyway. So I'm going to actually touch on two scenes as part of this review that I don't believe are spoilers, but I think encapsulates what we see in this film. And the first scene that I want to talk about is the scene on the subway towards the beginning, or in fact, right at the beginning. We see Brandon engage in, in harmless flirting with another passenger, and she's genuinely enjoying this attention, and she, she gives a little bit back. But there's, there's something that we see in Brandon's eyes, and it's, it's not so much told... Well, there's actually, whilst this is happening, there's a little bit of a flashback to pretty much what we expect Brandon's day would be, and possibly even how he got to that point on the subway. And there's something that changes in Brandon's eyes, and it, and it becomes... He becomes pure predator. And he's, he's now the apex hunter. He's switched gears. He's, he's not flirting now. This is the hunt. But it's not... It's not a horny guy's hunt. It's just a fait accompli. This is, this is going to happen. And the change is startling, and it actually has the opposite effect on the woman, who we find out is married, and she essentially flees the, the situation. And, and when that's happened, we see Fassbender almost look confused at what's just happened. The bloodlust dissipates, and he makes his way back to the train. He derives no pleasure from what, what just happened. It was just an act. It, it, it just is what it is, and it's a need that he must fulfill with little regard for the consequences. He's a sex addict and the monkey on his back is, is sex. This is the, the second pairing of Fassbender and McQueen, 2008's Hunger, which is a spectacularly good movie about the, I think it's 81, Irish um, hunger strikes, Bobby Sands and, and his lot, which is well worth having a look at. Fassbender taking the Bobby Sands role. And there's a trust here in this pairing that's, that's, that's apparent. Fassbender completely trusts the director. 
there's a freedom in movie, a freedom in this movie, and yes, there's nudity, and yes, we see Michael Fassbender's rather impressive cock. But at no stage was it gratuitous, and and actually, I got the feeling as an audience member of being a little intrusive in this thing. I, I actually felt slightly uncomfortable, not at this mammoth cock that's coming at me at the screen, because like I haven't seen that before. But I've, I've felt really uncomfortable. This was this was fly on the wall stuff of of this guy's. Anyway, his, his deconstruction. And, and it was actually this isolation that I felt watching Fassbender's character, Brandon. It was almost like a sedate Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. There's, there, was, there was detachment, which in Psycho was hyper-real. But here was just, it was just melancholy. He was sad to watch because mm. he's, he literally had no joy in his life. His life was, was mechanical. It was, it was the chase of the orgasm. Yes, I must, or I must, I must, I must, I must. And as we've spoken before, Jane Silent Bob, listening to Jay, Jason Mewes talk about his addiction and how he said it actually becomes a pain in the ass because all you do is worry about your whole day is how do I score, how do I score. You get no pleasure from it after a while. It just becomes mundane. It becomes your life, your cross to bear, if you will. Mulligan is, is just arresting. She's, she's ethereal. She's, she's, and when she sings New York, New York, in which the director Steve McQueen describes it, it's pure heartbreaking blues, the way she does it. We're so used to hearing this song as a jaunty little hit that, that you know, is almost inspirational. She takes it to a dark place. She takes it right back to its blues roots. She takes it so low, so bleak. And it's in that moment we see the first cracks in the veneer of Brandon. And this is the second scene that I think captures the film perfectly. Here's a moment where Brandon sees himself in these lyrics and this person and, and his world is no longer clear to him. He, he now is starting to feel something and he doesn't like it. You can tell it's pain. He's, I don't want to feel this. That, I, I mean, I won't spoil the, the there's, it's just beautiful performance. And Mulligan, as I, I can't say it enough, that scene alone is, is just, it's worth the price of admission. And apparently her voice, apparently sang on set. There was live piano and her bang. Couple of takes in the bag. His world's not as clear as it seems again, and I'm drawing the American Psycho connection here. This is where it all comes down, and Brandon is forced to really, really, really look at himself. And this leads to a finale, not that, not following straight on from that scene, mm. but this leads to a finale that is a little meh in my tastes. But the acting of Fassbender in the final scene, where he's essentially stripped bare, is a masterclass in performance. The title, of course, comes from the shame that many addicts feel after they have sated their addiction in whatever form it takes. And there's some research from the movie where Steve McQueen, they interviewed a lot of sex addicts where they discovered that, that they do feel a lot of shame after they've done it. This is the sort of film that film wankers love. It's the, the sort of film that everyone raves about using phrases like, you know, you haven't seen shame, oh, you've got to see shame. Our favourite, Margaret Pomerantz, said, I don't know what to say about this film except that it's one of the most powerful emotional film experiences I had last year. And Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times called Shame a powerful film, courageous and truthful, and he commented that this is a great act of filmmaking and acting. I do not believe I would be able to see it twice. Do I agree with those sorts of statements? Not really. I enjoy film for art's sake. I enjoy art, and, and this film is, is, is a great film in that regard. It's wonderfully shot. Its minimalism is appealing, it evokes all the right emotions, and it's no secret that I'm a bit of a perv, but at no stage throughout this film did I think, oh, yeah, like, oh, let's go for it. Yeah. There was just too much sadness, and Fassbender brought that across just beautifully. But anger, 
as well. He had this undercurrent of sin. And that's why I kept going in my head to Patrick Bateman, this mm. seething anger at his, his life, his predicament. But for me, it's a difficult film to recommend. I reckon that if you liked Eyes Wide Shut or Last Tango or American Psycho, which obviously the book, or Soderbergh's Sex, Love and Videotape, then you'll probably get something out of this. I did, and I'm giving it four stars. Wow. I struggle at times with independent, quote, independent and, and small budget films. A lot of the time, I find that they're a little wanky. They're, they're film wanker, made by film wankers for film wankers. If this was a lesser film, I think it could have fallen into those traps. One thing that I think a lot of smaller films do, they have really long scenes where nothing much happens. And a lot of the time that feels like filler. It's, we don't have enough story to fill 90 minutes to fill two hours. It's like Family Guy. Seven minutes of story, 14 minutes of bullshit that just pads it out. And a chicken fight. And a chicken fight. Yeah. This film had some really long scenes where not much happens. The jogging scene, mm-hmm. the where, he, where he goes for a run. There are a lot of scenes where it's just focusing on Fassbender and nothing is really happening. But the intensity of Fassbender and the way, I've got to say, the way it's directed, mm. those really inform you about the emptiness of Brandon's life. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're, you know, oh, let's put a long, arty, wanky shot yeah. in here for that sake. It's, I'm going to focus on him going for a run for however many minutes that was. Because that's all there is in his life at that time. Yeah. There is there is nothing, there is nothing else. Some of the things, and, and sorry to interject yeah. that, and because because he the reason he went for that run was so specific. Yes, and that you're right. That's you, I could have watched. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I probably would have fallen asleep, but probably could have just watched another series of that because I just thought he's run it, the allegory that he's running yes. is just yeah. Please yeah and. There's words that are thrown around when you're talking about arty films, like courageous performance, stuff like that, that a lot of the time is just hyperbole. But you touched it, you touched on it here. The trust that he had in the director just made those scenes so incredibly powerful. I mean, Fassbender is in almost every frame Mm. of this film. There's very little that he's not in. And it is, it is a, this is a masterclass in you know it's a, it's largely a two-hander well, it's mostly a one-hander with some with some help from Mulligan that scene the in the bar the mm-hmm. the New York New York again like long shots and, and throughout the whole film there's a lot of very long takes mm-hmm. the scene in the restaurant mm-hmm. just went you know the fact that it wasn't cut 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 yeah that gave you that sense of of that voyeurism that that yeah. uncomfortableness mm-hmm. of of what his life must be like. And with the world's most inept waiter, providing yeah. almost... I felt uncomfortable laughing. Yeah. Oh, it's such a group, yeah. Yeah. But in lesser hands, mm. this film could have just been wanky. Yeah. But I think it is a very... It's an emotional film. It, it does get you. And you do feel the shame mm. that he feels. I mean, the scene where he goes crazy and like, yeah. packs everything up and... But, I mean, the man has a porn stash that 
that any any 14 18 year old boy would be, be would be proud of. That's prodigious. Yeah. <coughs> but yeah, throughout the whole thing, you just get this sense of how empty and meaningless mm. his life is and that the only thing he has to the point where and I hope this doesn't get too spoilery where he actually tries to have sex yes. with someone that he likes. Yep. He can't. Can't do it. That's, can't because that's it's actually pretty spoilery. Uh, you know what? Yeah. The, the film was out 2011, so for fuck's sake, yeah. go and watch it. But that is, I, I, I know, and I don't, I don't mean to shit all over you there on that that regard. But that was a pretty, that was a pretty good, good bit on yeah. that movie where you just suddenly went, oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and but, you, but you feel it. I'm, I'm oh. not, I'm not saying that that's a, a bad thing. Yeah. No, I felt it was dreadful for the guy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. Fastbender deserves every accolade that he. He received for this. A uh, bit of quick research. He got twenty-two acting nominations mm. for this for this film. One, six or seven yeah. of them. I thought this was just an astounding film. I mean, to be fair, this came on our radar because of Fastbender's Absolutely, Cock. absolutely. And it's it's prodigious. It is. It's there. It's it's there. But <laughs> if I if I could a, a moment of levity, <laughs> I said to my wife, "Do you think Michael Fassbender's attractive?" She said, "Well, he is now," <laughs> <laughs> which was actually the opposite effect she had yeah. with me. So I think, that, <laughs> um, um, I mean the the thing that got, not to talk about it yet, to, but to bring some some light into what has mm. been a, a heavy heavy ten minutes. Yeah. The fact that you see him, he's standing with his back to the camera. Yeah. And you can see his yeah, cock. You can see the dangle. You can see the dangle. It's... <sighs> Charlize, we know what you mean. Yeah. But no, this was a fantastic film. Fantastic performances by the two people that, that matter. Yeah. And sublimely directed, if yeah. I can use if I can use a, a word like that. Yeah. A film wankery term. I'm giving this four and a half. I yeah. thought this was astounding. I, uh, my, my only reason I didn't get five stars is I just found it too... I f- would find this film too hard to recommend. I, I know two people. You're one of them. Maybe yeah. three people, who I would say, go and watch Shame. Yeah. Get Shame. You'll you'll love it. Yeah. You'll get something out of it. Most people I know, and this is certainly this is not a blight or a slight on these people by any stretch of the mm. imagination, because some movies people just don't get anything from. Yeah. And I think that's. And I think yeah, I think this is one of those films. I think yeah. just found it really hard to recommend. Yeah. But for me, like Dead Man Walking, mm. I thought was a superbly made film. Yeah. I appreciated the film. Couldn't say that I enjoyed it. No. And I wouldn't say people, hey, go out and see this. But it's that similar... Well, it's, it's leaving Las Vegas. I mean, we, yeah. we go to that quite often. It's yeah. one of the, if not the most depressing I mean, fucking movie ever. I, I would put this up there in the, in the pantheon, for whatever, yeah. for want of a better word, with Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, yeah, there you go. In fact, so, I, I probably should have said that. I mean... I went for the sex route, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely fucking requiem for a dream. I you can't recommend that to anybody because you like people. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like you can't. Re- you, it's just too hard to recommend something. Yeah, that is that will make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's like fuck. Why did you get me to watch yeah, this film? Exactly. Dickhead. So it's not. It's not. Into, I, and no. I don't mean to sound like an intellectual fucking wanker because people who know me know I'm not. Mm. Uh, well, no, I'm a wanker, but. It's you know it's just one of those things that yeah it's it's got nothing to do with the fact of a, of a ten inch cock mm. fucking wiggling around on screen at you it's like the emotion that he feels that he goes yeah. irreversible is another one mm. I've seen that I don't ever need to see that fucking film again yeah. in fact I even questioned at the time whether it ever yeah. needed to be made so anyway 
Let's yeah, let's lighten this up. All right. It's good that we went first with Shane. Yeah. And Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Mm-hmm. All right. We're first introduced to, to young Sherry as she rides a bus from small town Oklahoma to the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. She's there to make it as a singer. But within minutes of getting to Hollywood, she gets robbed quite nastily and meets Drew, Diego Bonita, who works at the Bourbon Bar, a legendary rock and roll nightclub owned by Dennis Dupre, Alec Baldwin, and run by Lonnie Russell Brand. Drew gets her a job, and everything's going great. Two kids falling in love. Things are, things are going swimmingly for the, for the young guys. Until the biggest rock star in the world, Tom Cruise's Stacey Jacks, and his band Arsenal, come to the Bourbon to play their final show. Rock star dreams are born, and rock and roll is threatened by the end of the 80s and the rise of boy bands, and the Puritan morality of the mayor's wife, uh, Patricia Whitmore, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Other cast members worth mentioning are Stacey's manager, the very oily Paul Giamatti, strip club owner Justice, Mary J. Blige, and Rolling Stone reporter Constance Sack, Malin Ackerman. I'm not talking too much about the plot, because there isn't too much plot. I took on this review because, as most of you, if you've listened, would know, I have a fondness, a, pass, a passing fondness, a penchant for, as my girlfriend calls it, gay-ass musicals. A lot of my adult life and a substantial portion of my taxable income comes from musical theatre, so I've got an investment and an appreciation of this genre. This is my least favourite sub-genre of musical. The jukebox musical, where songs of a particular style, or more commonly by a particular artist, are lumped together with a storyline that makes your average porno look like Citizen Kane. The one exception that I will say is Queen's We Will Rock You, which is written by Ben Elton. Story is flimsy, but you know, it's, that's not why you're there. My problem with these kind of musicals is because the narrative is so weak, what you're there for, the only thing that can carry the show are the performances. And the... Well, it's the performances of the song and the quality of that live performance. But this is not a live performance. Director Alan Shankman's previous musical outing, Hairspray, worked on film because the songs weren't songs that you knew. So they progressed the narrative on their own on their own steam. So it was a, a new experience for a lot of for a lot of people. A film like Rock of Ages or a show like Rock of Ages has such iconic 80s songs that because you know them because for a large part you grew up with them there's there's a disappointment when you hear the songs that you know makes it feel like a second-rate Glee knockoff. They're, they're classic 80s rock anthems, and they need to be performed live by larger-than-life larger rock gods, not Disney-fied, homogenised pop covers. Now, lest you think I'm relentlessly negative about this film, there are some upsides. The producers, I think, have done a very good and smart thing by casting two relative unknowns as the two young leads, the worst thing that they could have done was if this was used as a vehicle for a Justin Bieber 
or an American Idol winner or a couple of kids from Glee. There was initially apparently some talk about this being a Zac Efron thing. Well, I think it could have worked that way because Efron's got some chops. I, I have nothing against Zac Efron. I think he's he's quite quite talented, but I think that would have then made it a Zac Efron movie, and you would have lost some of that sweetness of the two of the two leads. I thought Julianne Hough as Sherry was charming and perky, and you know, quite you know, quite affable as you, you as the blonde the blonde lead and hot and hot. And Diego Benitez, Drew had the right amount of swagger and attitude for a for a young wannabe rock star. I thought the chemistry between Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin was was awesome. You could tell that they were enjoying it in character, just supporting characters. They didn't need to do anything but to be there and have fun. And their duet mm-hmm. towards the end of the show was one of the highlights for me. Similarly, Paul Giamatti and Catherine Zeta Jones filled their scenes with the right amount of sleaze and right, righteous pomposity, uh, nice. respectively. And that, that, was only, that was one take, people. One yeah. take. One take. So, what about the elephant in the room? What about... Michael Fassbender's in the room? <laughs> Tom Cruise's Stacey Jacks. Tom Cruise was a lightning rod whenever he was on screen. As we discussed earlier, he is the biggest movie star in the world. He is a rock star. So I thought he was able to bring a real level of, yeah, I know I'm the best to this to this film and to his portrayal of, of, of Stacey Jacks. I thought he was really quite fantastic. The You could tell it was him singing. You could... So there was a level of, of realism... To it, it didn't sound overly processed and, and auto-tuned, so I think from that point of view, he did a really good job. The only thing that I would... The only negative that I would have is I think they overused him. Hmm. I think he was there a bit too much, so when he was, particularly towards the end of the film, he lost some of his impact because yeah, he, he'd already been there too, mu- too much. Mm-hmm. He'd, lost his, he'd lost his power and, and potency. His scenes with the <laughs> Malin Ackerman mm. were fantastic. And I actually think that his transformation at the end of the movie was actually quite believable and emotionally grounded. On the downside, I saw no point to Mary J. Blige's character. Mm. I think she did well, and she's a legitimate R&B legend, and, mm. and rightly so. But... We didn't care enough about her character at all. She just seemed sort of jammed in there. And then she was in songs, like the big anthemic coming to the end of something songs, like we should have given a shit about her, which mm. which we just didn't. All that being said, the positives of the performances weren't enough to make me forget the largely uninspired musical numbers. And at the end of the day, musical numbers are why you go to a musical, whether on stage or on film. You go to a musical for musicals. I'm giving this two stars. I will be honest. One of those stars is for Tom Cruise. For making me remember why I like Tom Cruise in the first place. Yeah. Because he can he can be great yeah. when he's not being Tom Cruise. Yeah. When he's not being caricatured, I think actually yes. having that put on thrust on him. Yeah. I think short of the short of just to just to touch on Tom mm. Cruise for a second, short really it was the couch jumping incident. 
and then the leaked Scientology videos. Someone could almost say they had it in for Tom Cruise for a little while there. I mean, yeah. he was—he's never going to win an Oscar because Hollywood hates him because he's a Scientologist. But short of that, he really was—he's ju- just such a likable, and everyone who speaks with people like Billy Connolly, who will tell that tells you if he thinks the Queen's a fucking rat mm. cunt, this cannot speak highly enough of him. Says mm. oh, I'm not interested. I said to him, he'll talk to me about Scientology. I said to him, it's not really for me, and he didn't even didn't even try and convert him. So he's just the loveliest guy. And that's what I think people forget when he's on stage or on screen yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. And Tom Tom can bring it. Oh, fucking he what? He's he is you know, he gets ragged on all and he has become a caricature of himself. Yeah. But look at Magnolia. Yes. Look at TJ TJ? Uh, TJ Mackey? TJ Mackey, I think, yeah. Yeah. Look at TJ Mackey in Magnolia. Yeah. That is a performance that's just right. it's yeah, just yeah. superb. He does have. Was it, sorry, was it Frank Mackey? I'm sorry, Frank Mackey. You're Frank right. Frank Mackey, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he's a. Yeah, that was yeah. probably not really that important to interrupt you. But no, then. but that is that is a performance of a lifetime. Absolutely. I mean, and he, yeah, he he probably won't win an Oscar, and it probably is because you know Hollywood's got it in for him for the mm. Scientology and the craziness and the Absolutely. couch jumping. Yep. But he does have talent, and yeah, just sometimes it's not all that apparent because he's doing odd things. Mm. Like, Night and Day wasn't a great film. No. But then, the the, the problem with Night and Day... Well, actually, just Mm -hmm. put a pin in that. I'll just jump back to The Rock of Ages, because while you were talking, Mm. made me remember a few things. I wrote down pretty much one note, because I wrote it down in the movie Mm. whilst it was happening. I went and saw it with my wife, and I make no apologies to the fact that I cannot stand fucking musical theatre. I I do subscribe to the theory that, next to mime, it's the lowest form of fucking... of, of whatever... However, having said that, I actually enjoy some of the classics. I enjoy Les Mis. I, I enjoy the fuck out of Les Mis. Um, I did like We Will Rock You as a thing, but then I'm, I'm an unashamed Freddy fucking fan. And I've got to be honest, were it not Queen... You talk about flimsy storylines mm. and storylines from porn movies. Were it not Queen, that was a fucking woeful, oh. woeful fucking show, you know. Yeah. And, and it, it had that satire from Ben Elton, which was good mm. in it. Jesus Christ Superstar, I like the music from that. I love Godspell. If you, you know, I do like something. And I liked Moulin Rouge, which was a jukebox um, musical mm. slash come movie. Yeah. I do go and see the occasional musical. I do like to shit on them. I just think that... Because I, I, I don't understand them. And the reason I don't understand them was, was, was epitomised in the opening scenes of this movie where she's on the bus and she starts singing. Mm. You can't, you know... I, whereas Avenue Q, for example, I... I I know, and that sounds so disconnected because yeah. he walks straight on stage and starts singing "What do you do with a BA in English?" Yeah. But there was something about Avenue Q that I think separates it. Well, it was funny, and it had that kitsch element. Well, it, like, I think Avenue Q because it's so unreal. It's a guy walking on stage with a puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you're, you're taken out of that. That this is not real. Yeah. Why is this fucking idiot singing for no reason? Absolutely. You're taken out of that straight away because the guy walks on stage with a fucking puppet. Yeah. And suddenly you're ten years old, yeah. but you're ten years old sitting in your when your parents are at home listening to the the dirty fucking George Carlin record mm. that you're not supposed to be listening to because he's talking about yeah. you know fucking. Anyway, so we're in the cinema, and somebody I don't know where it happens, but they start singing "Don't Stop Believing," mm. and some cunt, some fucking stupid cunt behind me, and I, I refer to this in the feminine form of the cunt, goes, "Oh, that's that song from Glee." 
And it was at that point that I wanted to turn so, around. So, and so what you're him. saying is you only saw the first half an hour of the movie because you were ejected by security by punching oh, some bitch in the face? Fucking constitutionally sanctioned throat punch is what she needed. I look, I I I pretty much agree with everything you said except the male lead. I, he was also epitomised what I hate about musicals. He overacted. He emoted with. And listeners can't see what I'm doing with my hands. But everything was punctuated with a big arm gesture, and he's oh, but Sherry, and it's like oh, and I understand on on stage you need that. Mm. I understand the the requirement for it because you can't catch the nuance in someone's eyes or the the, mm. the look. And I think that was that's where that got that was let down for me. She uh, the Juli, Julian Julianne Hoff, Hoff yeah, hot, stunningly hot in yeah. every way, and she was I thought she was typecast or oh, sorry yeah typecast. I think she was cast perfectly mm. for her role. I didn't find him attractive, and I've got to be honest. Mm. If I, if I'm, if you got a hot girl like that, you need a hot dude. Yeah, I thought Alec Baldwin was was floundering. Yeah. I really, I, I thought. Now I agree with the the, the chemistry between him and Russell Brand, but he looked so completely out of place with long hair. I don't know if it's because I'm so used to Jack Donaghy with the the pinstripe mm. and the, but he just looked. He could have looked. I don't know. He looked like fucking a, just a, a just a fucking washed up roadie, which he probably was. Mm. Like maybe that was the character. In which case, knock that out of the park there. <laughs> but I'm so used to Alec Baldwin being so measured and so so with gravity to mm. what he says that I just found him very, which is a shame because he has such great comedic timing. Yeah. Characters. I didn't understand Brian Cranston's involvement in the show at all. And as I understand, the movie is a vast departure from the stage show. There are so many changes and and, and made up characters and stuff. I think the Rolling Stone reporter is a made up character for the um, show. To be or... honest, I, I've I've listened to the soundtrack. Yeah. Listened to it once. Wasn't really that thrilled with it because again, these songs need to be done yeah. live. But even the the perfunctory listen that I've had, there's songs that are done by different people in different yeah. by different characters. Yeah. And the big thing that they missed, you've got a perfect opportunity for O'Sherry. Well, they they played the strains a couple of times, yeah. and I thought, oh, here we go, we're going to get yeah. fucking Cheddar Bingo. Yeah, but they Which, didn't do it. It was in it was in the on it was on stage. It was is on, on Broadway. Because there, and there was a couple of times that they were playing because I lent into my wife and I go that someone's going to sing mm. in the air tonight because you could hear them playing on, yeah. on the thing, and that's probably where I'm going to go with what I enjoyed about the show was the music because mm. I am an '80s tragic. Yeah, I fucking love. All of the songs they sang, including mm. Don't Stop Believing, I really liked them. Mm. And I, I love nothing but a good time. I'm sitting there, with, my wife and I were, were sort of bopping in our seats. Yeah. But we weren't bopping because of the performance. We are bopping because we could remember what it was like to be that young listening to that, those yeah. fucking songs. I'm going to agree with you a bit about Tom Cruise there being overused. I mean, he channeled Jim Morrison. He channeled Jagger. He channeled... Oh, Axel. Oh, yeah. Well, Axel was too obvious, mm. but I, I know what you're saying. He channeled... The, but like Brett Michaels or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he had that with the cowboy hat. So, I the, the the downside, and I thought I'd never say this because he usually can bring it off something like you wouldn't believe. Tom's lack of height, that sort of there was they had too many tall people around him. This yeah. how fucking shallow does this sound? But I've just found it hard to believe that he was this bigger than life. It didn't transcend for me. Yeah. And you're right, he was overused. He needed to be. Um, is it Len Grossman? Or the character yeah. from Tropic Thunder. Yes. He needed to come in, punch in the balls and go off and come back in and yeah. while you were just wiping your eyes, punch you in the nuts again. Yeah. He was overused. But I liked it and I, I thought his singing was great. Yeah. And I mean, that was really 
I think if this, this movie lived and died on whether he could sing. Yeah. And if he's put in the work that they said he did, he's not going to release an album anytime soon. I like the staging with Pour Some Sugar On Me. Probably mm. my favourite hairband song of all time is Pour Some Sugar On Me. And a testament to this stuff is that I was able to go, well, maybe a tragic testament to this stuff, is I was able to go home and construct a playlist of the originals <laughs> of this with very little difficulty from my collection. I'm giving it two and a half stars for the movie and three stars for the soundtrack. Not because the songs were particularly well sung or well performed, but because when I was listening to them, I couldn't help but tap my toes. I couldn't help but enjoy myself because of that. But then I would have done the same thing as if I was sitting at home with my wife sharing a couple of glasses of wine and, hey, do you remember this song? Hey, do you remember that song? If, hey, if you're listening to 106 on a Saturday night. Yeah, party mix or something yeah. like that. Going, oh, yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking instill much joy in my life to go and see more fucking musicals, I'll tell you that. No. Stuff I'm hard about. Yes. Okay, Neil Blom Blomkamp from District 9 fame. Yes. Have you heard about Elysium? I know that it's his next film. Okay. That's the extent of it. Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, Shalto Copley from District 9, William Fickner, my one of my favourite fucking character actors of all time. Quick synopsis. In the year 2159, two classes of people exist. The very wealthy, who live on a pristine man-made space station called Elysium, and the rest, who live on an overpopulated ruined Earth. Secretary Rhodes, Jodie Foster, is a hardline government official who will stop at nothing to enforce anti-immigration laws and pre preserve the luxurious lifestyle of the citizens of Elysium. That doesn't stop people from Earth trying to get on. Blah, 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 blah. There's Mac Damon who's backed in a corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and look at some of the, the shots that have been... There's no trailer yet. Mm -hmm. Go and have a look at some of the, the shots. Matt Damon looks completely fucking badass in this thing and it is just super, super hot. Yeah. Like, I cannot wait for this fucking show. Excellent. Because we can't have enough Tom Cruise yep. in this uh, in this episode. Have you seen the the Jack Reacher I have. trailer? This Jack Reacher. We'll put the trailer up on the on the website yep. www There has been outcry by fans of the of oh, the novel series. Has there why? This has been. I'm, to be honest, I was not even aware of this novel series. I didn't know that it yeah. existed. But then there's probably stuff that I read that no one knows about. Yeah, but Lee, Lee Child's no fucking John Grissom for fuck's no. sake. Written a huge series of books about this guy, Jack Reacher. Tom, I have no issue with as an action, as an action star. The problem that people are having now, th this trailer looks looks fun. It mm. looks like a, it's going to be a kick-ass action film in yeah. the Bourne sort of style. Yeah. Like some some of the violence, some of the some of the stuff in there seemed a bit Bourne-y. Yeah. For, for well, there's this the smash cuts and the the, yeah. the single cam move, and, yeah. that, and I think that's just going to always be yeah. the case and stuff. But the issue that people are having is that it's quite explicitly spoken about in one of the books that Jack Reacher is six foot five. Yeah, and he's a ginger. Yeah, and he's fucking built like a brick shit house. Yeah. Now, as as much as this is not, you know, Nathan's House of Tom Cruise hate, as it normally is, Tom is not six foot five. I'm not sure if you're aware. Tom is not six foot five. I'm not entirely sure he's more than five foot five. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's quite fucking small. Yeah. Short. Yeah, um, I, I've heard five seven. Yeah, but that's—I tell you—if you ever need someone to play Prince in a movie, oh, what? 
<laughs> There's a... Uh, yeah, so the trailer looks fun. Presumably you could get prints. <laughs> you probably could. Um, yeah, this trailer looks fun. I don't have any investment yeah. in the novels, so I'm going into this with, yeah. you know, with an open heart, clear eyes, clear heart, can't lose. But, yeah... I don't have the issues that other people have with this. And neither do I. But however, if he was if he was cast as Sam Fisher, this could be an entirely different conversation. Well, go, going back on, <coughs> on that, well, we did ad- admittedly, we had some delays on getting the new episode up. Mm. So the new episode has been up for two days while we're actually recording this. So we haven't had a whole lot of feedback from our from our yeah. listeners yet. But what do you think about Fassbender as Sam Fisher? Uh, yeah, no. No? Yeah, no. No, you, you can't. You don't think he could bring action? I don't think he can. I, I think he could bring action. I mm. just don't think he could bring Sam Fisher action. He's too slight. Mm-hmm. Sam Fisher to me is a powerhouse. But then, having said that, we were just talking what what twenty seconds ago. Mm. I think Tom's going to pull this movie off. Yeah, maybe Fassbender could do it. I don't know. I don't. I, I still think Tom Hardy is my. <laughs> Tom Hardy's your go-to. To- yeah. It's like, you know what? Have you ever seen The American with George Clooney? With Clooney? Yes, that yeah. was a fantastic no. film. Clooney, is he too pretty? Well, yeah. Shave his head. Shave There's George Clooney's to... head. Sorry to get you. No, that's... By all means, try and finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of MasterChef. Yep. That's inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say Matt Preston. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, no, that would be Sam Fisher in a fucking cravat. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I... No, I... I'm looking forward to I... this Jack Reacher thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Clo- Clooney. Clooney is Fisher. He, he, he could almost bring the voice. Sam Gecko, remember mm. him as Gordon? Go, Sam Gecko, Gordon, Gordon, Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Seth, Seth Gecko. Seth, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Guillermo uh, del Toro. Yes. Pacific Rim. Yes. You've you've checked this the poster out for this? No, I haven't. I okay. When monstrous leg- legions of monstrous creatures known as the Kaiju start rising from the sea, a war began that will take millions of lives and consume humanity's resources for years on end. To combat the giant Kaiju, a special type of weapon is the, devised. Uh, the Kai what? The kaiju. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh. oh! Oh, subversive. A weapon is devised. Massive robots called Jaegers. Oh, wait. That's very Norse. Oh. Which are controlled simultaneously by two pilots whose mind are lo- minds are locked in a new bridge. Yeah. Just on the strength of the poster and the director alone. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would go and watch a movie called Dude Takes a Shit if it was directed by Guillermo del yeah. Toro. I'm excited by this. Yeah. Guillermo's back behind the helm of a film that he's having fun with. Yes. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Something that I watched uh, actually yesterday. Yep. I think you'd put me onto it or you'd watch uh, Comic Con episode four. Oh, yeah. A yeah. Fan's Hope. Yep. See that fucking film. Yeah, this is very It's good a movie. very fun little documentary. Yeah. All right, what are we reviewing next week, Matt? No idea. Next we're week, we're going to review one, possibly two movies. Yes. But And you'll hear all about it next week. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, Thank you very much yep. for for listening. I've just got it just because I see it on your screen. The new Dread movie. Have you seen yes. Lena Headley? Yes. Yeah, she's so fuckable. Oh, she's so hot. Uh, anyway, Lena Headley's plays Cersei in Game of Thrones. Um, yes. And so yeah, we're, she's looking pretty fine in Judge Dread or Dread. In Dread, which yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm yeah. Optimistically yeah. hopeful. Hope, not optimistically hopeful. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Even though it did seem kind of like the raid. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, but the raid was cool. <laughs> the raid was cool. <laughs> I've got that to watch too. I have to sit down and watch that again. The harder they come, 
In Jakarta, they fall. <laughs> so have you seen the latest cover of it? The, sorry, the cover of the latest Empire? Bigger, badder, better, Renner. Yes, for I the did. Born Legacy. Yes, I'm excited by that. Yeah, really that, that looks like it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, part of my my shame file. Yeah. Is that I actually haven't seen the second two Born movies. Wow. I bought I bought them on HD DVD. Yeah, as so a box I. set, so that, yeah. that's where I that's where I went on first. Yeah. And it's one of those things I just keep meaning to get back to, and haven't. Yeah. Oh, the I, whole, they're great movies. Yes. They're well worth it. All right. watching. All right. So, by all means, we love feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm ACOP Nate. I'm ACOP Woody. Pricks at a couple of pricks.com. Go fuck yourself at a couple of pricks.com if you don't like something about the show. Or on the website at www.acoupleofpricks.com. For another week, I'm episode, Nate. Episode, episode eight. eight. Fuck. Oh, and I'm Woody. And we're, we're a, couple a couple of pricks. pricks. And then I've got no, I've got no music. I love you so much, can't count all the ways I've died for you, girl, and all they can say is he's not your kind. They never get tired of putting me down, and I never know when I come around what I'm gonna find. Don't let them break up your mind. I can't believe I have this microphone to myself, this entire room to myself, and I have got nothing to say. Testicle. Testicle.